Happy Veterans Day, everyone. I'm so grateful for the brave men and women that are willing to sacrifice so much, even their lives, to protect their fellow Americans and the freedoms that we cherish. And I hope and pray that anyone who is watching this video that served in the military or has family members who have feels honored today and celebrated by your community. So let's jump into it. This past Saturday, many mainstream news networks named Joe Biden and Kamala Harris the projected winners of the 2020 election. And it's important to note that there's nothing yet official about this. And if you want more information about why I believe it was a mistake for the media to prematurely call the race, you can check out my podcast episodes from Tuesday and Saturday, where I discuss the reasons why in great detail. So on Saturday night, a few hours after announcements were made and mass partying was taking place on the streets and cities around the country, Kamala Harris and Joe Biden both gave acceptance speeches that called for unity, coming together, and national healing. Joe Biden even promised to be a president for all Americans and to, quote, heal the soul of the nation. Many Americans with a soft spot for empty platitudes were inspired by this speech, with cable news network hosts calling it a return to normalcy, deeply presidential, and a victory for we the people. 72 million other Americans, though, were utterly confused by this speech, scratching their heads wondering where this sudden change of rhetoric came from. Where was this we want unity message from the left during the last four years? Where was it even a week ago? Just last month, Joe Biden was comparing Trump to the Nazi propagandist Joseph Goebbels on national television. Trump supporters haven't forgotten all the moments over the last four years that we were called racist, sexist, bigots, xenophobes, etc., all because of our political beliefs. Biden didn't address any of that. Instead, he blamed the division on the opposing political leader and led Americans to believe that he could be the one to ultimately bridge that gap. And again, while that shallow, in my opinion, messaging inspired some, it left tens of millions of other Americans feeling lied to, ultimately. I personally don't believe the left wants unity, if I'm honest. I believe they want conformity. Unity means that we appreciate our differences and find a way to work together despite those differences, whereas conformity looks like the dominant group removing the undesirable beliefs or opinions you might have so that you can then, in turn, belong. And if you look at the holistic messaging from the political left over the past few days, the desire for conformity, not unity, is what has revealed itself ultimately. And I want to be clear before I go any further. I don't believe everyone on the left feels this way. But the dominant leadership, the loudest voices, have made their stances clear. For example, Michelle Obama tweeted on Saturday, and I quote, Let's remember that tens of millions of people voted for the status quo, even when it meant supporting lies, hate, chaos, and division. We've got a lot of work to do to reach out to these folks in the years ahead and connect with them on what unifies us. Don Lemon, CNN journalist, last week said he's had to, quote, cut any Trump supporters out of his life and let them hit rock bottom like an addict. Democratic Congressman James Clyburn compared Trump to Hitler on Tuesday. Salon published a piece called, quote, Joe Biden gave a great speech, but we're not ready to make peace with fascists. A prominent New York Times writer, Wajahat Ali, tweeted, quote, you can't heal or reform the GOP, the Republican Party, who are now an extremist party. They have to be broken, burned down, and rebuilt. When Biden is in power, treat them like the active threats to democracy that they are. And the nasty rhetoric is just the tip of the iceberg. Some journalists, elected officials, and activists actually desire to document Trump supporters in order to dox them, highlight their political leanings to future employers, and publicly shame them. So on Friday, New York Congresswoman Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, for example, tweeted, Is anyone archiving these Trump sycophants for when they try to downplay or deny their complicity in the future? Former spokesman for the Obama campaign tweeted, At Caitlin Collins, just reported White House staff are starting to look for jobs. Employers considering them should know that there are consequences for hiring anyone who helped Trump attack American values. Find out how at the Trump Accountability Project. 
So quick pause. These former Obama officials working together with people from the Buttigieg campaign literally started a list called TrumpAccountability.net, where they track Republican and conservative organization members, Trump campaign workers, White House staffers, and Trump donors so that Americans can, quote, remember what they did. Jake Tapper, notable CNN journalist, suggested on Monday that Trump supporters need to worry about how, quote, any future employers might see your character defined through adversity. Democratic mega donor Ben Masiolis announced this week that he wants to make sure Trump supporters won't even be able to find a job. He said, quote, if you hire someone who remained with the Trump administration after the election, beyond notice, you will be held accountable. We will ensure you're exposed. All of this on top of the fact that Twitter is rapidly stepping up their censorship of conservative voices, YouTube is deliberately shadow banning Republican leadership, and Facebook is removing entire conservative groups from their platform. Guys, these tactics do not resemble a political movement seeking unity with opposing viewpoints. They resemble Stalinist suppression campaigns, and Joe Biden and Kamala Harris have yet to call out any of these radical sentiments on their own political side. And the reality is, I'd actually have more respect, honestly, for Biden and Harris if they were honest with us, if they came right out and admitted that they generally have a disdain for these 72 million Americans, and they actually want the country to look very different than what these Americans desire. That's what their actions over the past four years have communicated, so at least this would be transparent. But they don't do that because they want to have it both ways. First, they want to embrace the radical policy proposals that alienate the interests of tens of millions of Americans and demonize the political leader they voted for so they can condemn that whole group with guilt by association. But second, at the same time, they want to promote a vague sense of unity so that they can secure the votes of the upper middle class suburban voters that just want politicians to appear nice and kind. And ultimately, progressive Christians are especially susceptible to this messaging because We're taught to seek unity at all costs, but the reality is not enough Christians actually dig into what that word truly means. The Bible instructs us clearly to seek unity within the church, but unity with the world is a whole different thing. If you're forced to abandon your convictions in order to support a perceived unity with the world, which many Christians have done in this past season in support of progressive policies, that's a false sense of unity that should be avoided at all costs. We witnessed this false unity in Babylon at the Tower of Babel, for example, where the human race was unified in their efforts, but their efforts deliberately stood against God. So what did God do? He purposely divided them. Unity just for unity's sake, seeking that, isn't something to strive for unless it's directed towards God's kingdom and his righteousness. This is a topic I spent an entire episode talking about in episode 23 of my podcast, so make sure you go check that out for more info. But at the end of the day, If the political left in the United States really wanted true unity, they would get to know the desires of 72 million Americans. They wouldn't just write off the entirety of the group as racist and xenophobes. They wouldn't threaten their employers, ban them from public places, advocate for their removal from social media, etc. But unfortunately today, the loudest leadership, again, not everyone, but the loudest leadership on the political left has made it clear. The only unity they desire is a unity that is defined completely on their terms. And that's not unity at all. It's conformity. I hope you enjoyed this short video episode today. For more information, head to my website at refiningpoliticsandculture.com. It's been an honor to speak with you. Have a great Wednesday. Wednesday.